this is a topic that I've wanted to discuss for some time now. And um, someone, well, here's what happened. Um, I was on YouTube and I was, you know, I kind of allowed myself some time to go down, uh, you know, everyone, it's happened to everyone who's been on YouTube enough times. I went down YouTube's rabbit hole and pretty soon, um, in these, in the suggested, you know, videos, um, I was watching, I, I began seeing videos of, um, you know, people in court and their sentencing and, uh, news clips from that and, uh, you know, you know, court cam and all those things. So it kind of got me thinking about, um, prison reform. And, uh, it reminded me of a, of, uh, a couple questions that I got, uh, earlier this year, maybe like four, four or five months ago. And, um, I was asked, you know, if I could change things about prison, what would I change? And it's a very complex thing and it's not easy to do. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm just, I'm going to discuss prison reform today. And I'm going to discuss things that I would change about prison and the, you know, the criminal justice system. Cause let me say this. There does need to be prison reform. I am one of those people who firmly, firmly believes that. Okay. So, let me say this first. People talk about, you know, prison should mostly be a rehab, a place of rehab. Let me say this. It depends on the crime. I believe prison primarily needs to be for punishment. Prison should be uncomfortable. Prison should be inconvenient. Prison should make the person... If you're in prison, you should not feel good. You should not uh, feel... Uh, you, you, you should not feel comfortable. Okay, it's not a hotel. You're in prison. It should be uncomfortable. It should be... Yeah, okay, you, you guys understand. So... Here's, here's the way I see it. Um, it, it, and it's, this isn't, this isn't easy stuff. Um, but one thing that, one thing that I would do, um, if I was like, you know, king of the United States, and I could, you know, I could do what I want, and, uh, my, whatever assistant said, uh, okay, uh, King Solomon, uh, we're now, you know, now it's time for you to, uh, change things about prison. Um, so what would you change? Okay. So what I would say is, okay, um, all states, all states should have the death penalty. All of them. Uh, currently there's only 28 with the death penalty. Um, Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, 
North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Virginia, and Wyoming. Those are the states that have the death penalty. States without the death penalty, um, along with the District of Columbia, Alaska, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Iowa, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Dakota, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. Okay. So that's one thing I would change. Every single state should have the death penalty. Um, there are certain times and certain crimes that are committed where I say, okay, let me say this. Well, here's the second thing I would change. Um, life in prison, um, I would get rid of. Life in prison or life without the, poss the possibility of parole, I would get rid of. Okay. Um, here's why. So take like, um, there's a, uh, there was a, there's a woman named, uh, Dinell Lane. And, um, she is an absolute monster. An absolute monster. She received 120, uh, she was, uh, well, they were gonna try to give her 126, but she got 100 years in prison, um, for attacking a pregnant, uh, woman, and then cut out, cutting her baby from her womb. Um, Lane was found guilty in February of attempted first degree murder, two counts of first degree assault, two accounts of second degree assault, and unlawful termination of a pregnancy. By the way, this is like, this is like 2016, so this isn't recent. But this is, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is a person, it shouldn't be a hundred years. You should not be given clothes, a place to sleep, a place to use the restroom. You, you shouldn't be given three square meals a day. You are a person who you need to be, your life needs to end before the week is over. That's the way I see it. Um, there's, you know, that's just, that's one example. Uh, you know, there was a guy, abs just absolutely evil, man, absolutely evil. Um, there was this kid named, uh, Gavin Ramsey. And, uh, by the way, I encourage you to look up these people. Di let me say this. Dinell Lane is spelled D-Y-N-E-L. Uh, that's her first name, Lane, L-A-N-E, like Lane, okay? Um, and then there's this guy, Gavin Ramsey, G-A-V-O-N, uh, R-A-M-S-A-Y, Gavin Ramsey. Uh, he was 17, and he was horrific. He, I, there's a lot I have to get to. Okay, so, um, Ramsey, th th this stuff, this stuff is just hard for me to read. Okay. Um, my goodness, uh, here's what happened. There was an old lady who, uh, she was 98 and pretty much, uh, she was sleeping, she was sleeping on her couch and this, um, uh, 
Gavin pretty much came out and he, he, he beat her, he strangled her, um, he sexually assaulted her, and he stuffed her dead body in, she stuffed, he stuffed the dead body in a closet. This is a person who should die. This is not a person who should receive a life sentence. Life sentences, I'm not a fan of. I would get rid of those. These, especially for things like this. Here's the way I see it. If you are someone who brutally, who, 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 who takes a life, and that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuance here. This isn't an easy thing to go because there's, there's, you know, things aren't just black and white. There's a lot of gray area as well. But when we have something where it's like just completely and totally brutal, um, these are people who need to you 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 need to die that it's just that simple you don't get life in prison you don't get three square meals a day for the rest of your life you know there was a guy peter zimmer um this this was before i was born um but it was uh it was 1983 and uh he was 14 at the time i want to say um he shot his uh adoptive parents and uh he stabbed his brother because um he hated where he lived he hated living in wisconsin again this is an example of someone who should be put to death okay so that's something else i would change now what else would i change um So, this is not, this is not easy stuff. Uh, here, here are some, here are some other ways, uh, that we can fix the, uh, the criminal justice system. Um, especially with the overcrowding of prisons. Um, people talk, you know, people talk about, uh, um, you know, reducing, uh, you know, people being alone, you know, cause people, people do need community. And, and I do agree with that. Um, you know, this is from, uh, uh, restorativejustice.org. Uh, 10 key, 10 keys to improving conditions in overcrowded prisons. Um, some of these I'm a fan of, some of these I'm not, but, but let me just go through them. Reduce idleness. Uh, reduce inmate idleness by increasing opportunities for exercise, sports, cultural, and religious activities. Active inmates are less likely to feel stressed and hostile. Um, now that's true. But it depends on, it depends on what they did. What did you do? Did you bring physical harm to someone? Did you kill someone? Did you rape someone? Because if that's the case, you don't, I, I, I don't believe that person should receive recreation. I, I, I just, I don't believe that. You know, it's often, you know, it's amazing. The Bible is such an interesting book because it's written by a bunch of black sheep. It's written by a bunch of people who didn't fit in, who were wrong. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, you know, he was a murderer. He was, he was responsible for the deaths of 
hundreds if not thousands of people. Moses wrote the Torah. He wrote the first five books. He killed. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of figures in the, you know, in the Bible who did horrific things. David, he was a murderer. Um, he committed adultery. Uh, King Solomon, he committed adultery many, 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 many times over. Um, so people talk about, you know, you're not the worst thing that you did. And I would, I would say that because I do believe forgiveness is a thing, but forgiveness. And again, this is if I was a king, some people should not be forgiven for what they did. Some people, or let me say this, people should be forgiven for what they did, but that means they should, they should still be punished. And that punishment may involve them losing their life. I find it fascinating. I find it absolutely fascinating that in society, and I'm kind of veering here, but you know, when I look into this stuff and I, I, I see some of these videos and read about some of these cases, it's amazing that we live in a society where it is, where it is okay and sometimes even praised when, when, when a woman goes and gets an abortion. An innocent child and a baby who has done nothing, who's done nothing, is killed. But then there are people who look at the death penalty and say, ah, oh, well, no, that's not really fair. Okay, if you are, if you are, if you're Gavin Ramsey, you deserve to die. What about, what about the kid who, who, who was just aborted though? What about, what about the little baby girl or baby boy who was, uh, who was, you know, you know, just aborted because mom, mommy didn't, you know, she just, she wasn't ready to have a kid. How are we okay with that? How, how are we okay with killing innocent babies? And we're not okay with killing horrific monsters who've, like, like, you know, like, Dianel Lane, uh, Peter Zimmer, you know, just, just horrific people, you know, Tyler Hadley, uh, you know, you know, just, just, just horrific people, Rachel Wade, how, why, why is that? So that, so that's one thing, um, that they, that they mentioned. Okay. So going back to overcrowding. Okay. Classify prisoners, classify and house prisoners according to their level of risk. Lower risk groups in, uh, require less security and can be managed on a lower security basis. Um, that, that I'm actually okay with. I actually, I actually agree with. Um, there's certain people where it's like, okay, you know, they, um, they did something, they did something slight. They're not, they're not a risk to anyone's safety. They're not a violent criminal. They're not dangerous. They didn't rape. They didn't kill. Um, they're not, you know, they're not influenced by drugs or anything like that. I, I, I'm, I, I would, I would be okay with this. Number three. 
this focuses on health, uh, improve sanitation, organize and train inmates in preventative health care, including basic sanitation, food preparation, and personal hygiene. That one's kind of complicated because what do you mean basic, like basic sanitation? You don't know how to wash yourself? That's something you learn when you're like a kid. So I'm not really going to comment on that. Four, grow food, involve low risk inmate labor to cultivate vegetable gardens, raise livestock, uh, to provide additional and more varied food for the prison. This will improve nutrition and also provide inmates with meaningful activity. Let me say this. I think there should be different types of food in prison. I think there should be different types of food. There's some food that's better than others. If you are a person who, uh, who, who, like, killed someone, if, you know, if, if we're not going to give them the death penalty right away, after it's been proven that they did this horrific incident, okay, then you, then the quality of food that you get should be garbage. It should not taste good. It should not feel good. That's the way I see it. But then there are people, you know, lower risk, um, you know, people who are lower risk, you know, it's like, oh, they had, you know, they were in possession of, uh, you know, crack, you know, a single, uh, rock of crack, you know, that's not the same thing as being a murderer or a rapist. So I think there should be, there should be levels to the quality of food that exists in prison. So, I'm, I'm kind of on board with this. Uh, five uh, conditions. Overcrowded prisons are more difficult to manage humanely and effectively. As need for living space increases, the space available for educational, recreational, cultural, and religious activities is often reduced or entirely eliminated. Five, use volunteers. Train the involvement of volunteers. Increase the involvement of volunteers, community groups, and NGOs uh, to provide meaningful programs for prisoners. Even where space is limited, the involvement of volunteers contributes to improved morale and reduces inmate idleness. 6. Train staff. Train staff members in basic relational skills including effective communication, building respectful and humane relationships, anger management, and conflict mediation. This will improve both staff and inmate morale. Um... Okay, now I want to talk about um, people who are, uh, you know, put in prison for like, you know, very small things. Um, I think when we, it's this is such a complex thing, man. Some stuff in this area is black and white. And it's like, okay, you, okay, you should be dead. You should be let go. But there's there's so many different ways to break the law. It's not that easy to to uh to look at you know and to talk about so 23 this is from motherjones.com 23 petty crimes that have landed people in prison for life without parole uh these are the reasons possessing a crack pipe possessing a bottle cap containing a trace amount of heroin too minute to be weighed uh, having traces of cocaine in closed pockets that were invisible to the naked eye but detected in lab tests. Having a single crack rock at home. Possessing 32 grams of marijuana worth about $380 in California 
with intent to distribute, passing out several grams of LSD at a Grateful Dead show, acting as a go-between in the sale of $10 worth of marijuana to an undercover cop, selling a single crack rock, verbally negotiating another man's sale of two small pieces of fake crack to an undercover cop, having a stash of over-the-counter decongestant pills that could be used to make meth, uh, attempting to cash a stolen check, possessing stolen scrap metal, the offender was a junk dealer, uh, 10 valves and one elbow pipe, possessing stolen wrenches, siphoning gasoline from a truck, stealing tools from a shed and, wheel- and a welding machine from a front yard, shoplifting three belts from a department store, shoplifting several digital cameras, shoplifting two jerseys from an athletic store, taking a television, circular saw, and power converter from a vacant house, breaking into a closed liquor store in the middle of the night, making a drunken threat to a police officer while handcuffed in the back of a patrol car, being a convicted felon in possession of a firearm, taking an abusive stepfather's gun from their shared home. Okay, so of all these reasons, these are these are not reasons, just of themselves. If you isolate these issues, these by themselves should not be a reason for people to have life in prison or for even for people to have lengthy uh prison terms why because here's the thing when i as a as a taxpayer i look at my i look at my money i'm like okay this is this is hard earned money this is hard earned money that i that i work to get so when i look at all of this and i say okay i get taxed and some of these dollars are going to feed Someone who's going to be in prison for 10 years. Why should they get three square meals a day? What did they do? What happened? If you're a person, you know, if you, if you, you know, if, if you shoplifted, there's a guy named Timothy Jackson. Um, he took, he took a jacket. It was about 160 and, um, he walked out without paying for it. And um, he claimed that uh, his reason for taking it was that he needed another jacket. Um, at the time, uh, Jackson was under the influence of drugs. Jackson had has been incarcerated for 17 years in a federal prison in Louisiana and will stay there for the rest of his life. He would have only served a six-month sentence for the shoplifting incident, but due to the fact that he was awaiting trial for other minor crimes, he met the three-strike law and is now in prison for life. A few months later, the case was reviewed, describing him as a petty theft, and the court threw out the sentence. Uh, A year later, the state's Supreme Court gave a final ruling and came out to the conclusion that the Louisiana's four-strike law can only be overturned in rare instances. Jackson was put back in jail and sentenced to life without parole. So when I look at this, you know, for a guy who, you know, he steals a jacket that should not be, you know, life in prison. So when we when we look at this is a very tough issue to talk about because it's it's so it's so massive. Um but this is this is really where we are. But how else can we uh how else can we uh reform prison? Um people talk about, you know, let's now let's talk about the mentally ill. Um 
many many will say that prisons and jails um the mentally ill should not go there prisons and jails um this is from the crime report.org when the great experiment to in deinstitutionalization was begun in the 1960s it was supposed to be accompanied by the creation of a robust community mental health system that never happened and where it did uh, where it did, it did not reach our neediest neighbors in poor communities of color. We overestimated the utility of psychotropic uh, medications. Many of the men and women we see in prisons and jails are there because they are self-medicating, trying to ease their discomfort with alcohol, cocaine, and heroin because they don't like the adverse effects of the drugs that have been prescribed for them. They turned to illegal drugs, got caught up in the war on drugs, and we have been uh, fruitlessly waging these last 50 years and that is part of the reason we see so many mentally ill prisoners. We can change that by investing the resources and energy in finding ways to reach and help these people that does not criminalize their behavior. Um, see, here's the thing. When it, com- when it comes to mental health, I-, I look at it this way. Um, the, guy, the guy I told you about, Gavin Ramsey. Um, people talked about how he, that, that he had a mental issue. Or multiple mental issues. And one of them was, you know, he got, um, he got sexual satisfaction out of seeing people suffer. And so that's something where I look and I'm like, okay, let's say it's true. You still know it's wrong. You still know not to do it. You still know that suffering is wrong you still know not to inflict it on other people so people say well he's he was technically mentally ill so it's like okay well should he have not gone to prison so people look at this stuff and it's like yeah that's a guy who should go to prison he knows not to do it and you know there was i can't remember that one lady she was like she was like a babysitter and just evil, man. I mean, she was she was intentionally hurting um, uh, the the children she was watching. Like she was, gosh, her name escapes me right now. It's just I just had it. it it'll probably come to me before the end of the episode, hopefully. But she was intentionally dropping kids on their head, and you know, one kid, he one baby, he was like, golly, like fourteen months. 14 months so she was seriously doing damage to him so when we look at this it's like okay when it comes when it comes to the mentally ill should they be put in prison i would say yes like we need to address okay how men like how mentally ill are they because sir let me ask you this this is just this is a you don't, have, you don't have to answer this question. What? What is mental illness? When we say, oh, this person's mentally ill, what do we mean by that? Like, what does that mean? I, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know what that phrase, mentally ill, means. I don't know what mental illness actually is. So when we talk about the mentally ill, it's like, okay... Is it because they did something that's so wrong that we have to think that they are mentally ill? 
that we have to think that there is something wrong with them psychologically? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. This is such a hard thing to talk about. Um, but people also talk about how prison should be places of rehabilitation. I agree, and it, it depends on what you do. Um, depend, it depends on the crime that you commit. But there's certain things that you, you don't need to be rehabilitated on. Because there are certain things in certain areas, certain actions you just know are wrong. For example, rape. You know not to rape. You just know that that's not something you have to teach somebody. My dad never sat me and my brother down and said, Son, don't rape people. That's not a thing. My dad never sat me down and, and said, you know, young Solomon, uh, don't hit people over the head with a hammer. You just know not to do that. Don't go around biting people. That's not something you have to teach people because they, they you just know not to do that. Here's an interesting one. Today, this the, again, this is from the crime report. Today, one can't expect to find work if one can't read and write. There is no excuse for prisons not educating all prisoners to at least the high school level and even beyond. Um, we can teach people how to work, even if we can't teach everyone to be a skilled uh, machinist or a computer technician. Work, en- work ennobles us. That is true. Work gives us an identity. That is also true. Whether one is painting the prison, peeling potatoes, or fixing its plumbing, one can learn to take pride in one's work to be responsible to work with other, to work with others and to be supervised. These are the skills everyone needs on the outside. Prisons and jails can work on those things. Prisons are better at doing those things than they are at psychology. Here's the thing. Should prisoners be, um, educated? Um, People say education is a human right, and I don't, there are certain things that I think are human rights, but I don't know if education is one, I don't know if education is one of them, I haven't come to a conclusion on that. Um, but when, when, right here when they talk about all prisoners, um, there is no re, there is no excuse for prison, for prisons not educating all prisoners to at least the high school level and even beyond. It shouldn't be beyond. It should not be beyond high school, in my opinion. Um, you know, you shouldn't be getting a college-level education in prison. You know why? Because there are many people who have to take out loans and pay thousands of dollars to get a college education. Now, if we want to talk about, you know, vocational jobs, you know, plumbing, painting. Yeah, okay, let's, yeah, that I'm okay with. Put, put them to work, you know, have them learn something, you know, you know, have them have some sense of responsibility. That I'm okay with. It should, you should not be getting, you know, height, you know, you shouldn't be getting education that costs thousands upon thousands of dollars. For free, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't receive that. You should have to pay something. 
just just going off on a, on a side tangent where people say people talk about free college i don't i don't i don't believe that for a second i don't agree with that at all we can we can discuss the amount but you should have to pay something because here's the thing when you make something free it's not valuable if something is free it doesn't really mean anything it doesn't mean as much as something that's earned or that's paid for. So, uh, that's 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 just one thing. Um, seven. End the demonization of prisoners. Embrace the notion that the people in prison are our neighbors, the children of our community, and deserving of our concern. They are all returning home to the places they left, and it is in our self. It is in our self-interest to see that they return with better prospects and better equipped to succeed than when they left. The National Academics report suggested that in addition to being uh, parsimonious uh, in our use of imprisonment and limiting punishment to that which is appropriate to the offense, we should ask of our prison system that it recognize and promote the citizenship of prisoners and that it operate in a fashion that is consistent with social justice and promotes society's aspirations for a fair distribution of rights, resources, and opportunities. But here's the thing. Um, again, prison, when you, com- when you commit a crime, you need to be punished. So, part of a punishment could be ongoing. Okay, you know, if you... You know, if you are someone who, say you are a person who steals, okay, you're a person with, um, you know, you've, you know, you've robbed or you've stolen money from relatives or, you know, a liquor store or you took money out of the cash register from your job, okay, that part of that punishment needs to be an ongoing thing. You cannot handle money. You should not be around money. So when we talk about opportunities, you should you should be limited based off of what you did. Like people people sometimes talk about you know, um, uh, you know, people kind of use this example: pedophiles when they come out of prison, if they ever get out of prison, um, usually they don't. Um, but if they do, it should be like, you know, you wouldn't have this person babysitting. Which, you know, makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but this is, you know, there, there's so there's so many sides to this. Um, this is... This is really... Th- this, this is huge. This is huge. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of things like people talk about, uh, and I think it's actually in, it's actually in the piece right here where they talk about, you know, this will help, you know, communities of, of color, uh, like, like this one right here, it says, finally, we should repair the damage that we have done to communities most prisoners return to. We know that the unemployment rate for young black men is nearly 25%, twice that for young white men. That economic disadvantage is per- is perpetuated by policies that deny education, housing, and jobs to the formerly incarcerated, and policies that count prisoners in the census 
where they are imprisoned, rather than in the communities they come from. It is made worse by disenfranchising them and allocating legislative seats to districts based on counting prisoners in the prisons, rather than counting the prisoners as part of the district where they lived before going to prison. These policies dilute the power of poor communities of color while enhancing the power of prison communities. This is unfair, and we should put an end to it. Now, again, this the stats are slightly off because this is this was written in 2014. Um, but when we look at this, how do you avoid going to, going to prison? Well, people talk about you know blacks are disproportionately incarcerated. Well, why is that? Be- well, because blacks just commit more of the crime. It's not a race thing. It's just a committing rate of committing crimes thing. So what so what can communities do to avoid this this prison pipeline? Okay. Well, stay in school. Okay? Work. It's important, you know, fathers have fathers have to be in the home. And people say, "Oh, well, you know the re- you know why the fathers aren't in the home? It's because they're put in prison. They are put in prison because they commit crimes. Police aren't just waiting in their in their squad cars looking for black men to just kidnap and throw them in prison. You have to commit a crime. That's those are what that those are things that matter. It's like okay, you know, focus on education. Work hard in school. Get a job. Find some responsibility. Keep yourself busy doing productive things. And you will avoid crime. That's the thing about teenagers. You know, young bo- young boys especially. Because boys like being around boys. You know, they, they want to be around. We want to be around boys and men. And so what happens is like, okay. That's why gangs are, are often popular. Because... They give responsibility. They give a sense of belonging. So you have that sense of family. It's like, okay, you know, you can earn respect by doing these things and you can move up in the ranks. That's, that's the, that's the appeal of gangs. And so that, that's where they go. And so these, a lot of kids just have nothing to do. And so that's where they get into trouble. They do stupid things. Where, you know, they, you know, they throw rocks off the overpass. You know, they go skating, you know, on, and this, this is not, this is not bashing skaters, but it's, you know, they, they, they will skate and to, into, you know, in very dangerous places where, you know, cars and pedestrians are doing their thing. But idle hands are the devil's workshop. We hear that all the time. So there needs to be a sense of responsibility with this. Find a hobby. Get a job. You know, find something that you enjoy doing and do that. Stay out of trouble. So there are things that that communities can do and families can do. The family is the key part of this. Family, uh, the strength of the family determines the strength of a society. If you have a very strong family unit, your society, your, your community will succeed. Just, and how do we know this? Look at the Jews. 
the Jews, what do they teach? What do, what do they prioritize? Education, family, wealth management. Those are things that they prioritize and that they, they, that they teach and they instill. That's why they succeed. Look at Asian communities. What do they, what do they focus on? Wealth, education, money management, family. That's why they succeed. What happens in the black community? Uh, sports. Uh, you know, you can, you can rap or you can know, you know, you can play ball. It's not about education. Blacks watch the most TV. Asians watch the least amount of TV. You, you see the correlation here? The ones that are, the, the, the blacks, the black community that's suffering, it's because we're doing the wrong things. Our family unit is weak. It's weaker than it was 50 years ago. The family is broken. When you strengthen the family, then you, then these problems are avoided. So, you know, I, I kind of went on a rant there at the end. Um, but anyway, that's what I would, you know, discuss that, that those would be my changes to, um, that, that would be my prison reform. Now, it's very, very, very vague. I know that because it, it's, it's such a complex thing and it's, you can't really get all that specific because there's so many things involved in it. But that's that's what I would do. Each state has a death penalty. Um, if you are a person who has, if you have, if you're a person who has um, taken taken another life, and it's not in self defense, and there's actually there was actually intent to murder, your life should be taken. There should be no life in prison. There should be no life without, you know, life without the possibility of parole. Your life needs to end. Okay. Um, if you're, if you're someone who's a nonviolent offender, I don't think you should really be in prison. There's a lot of people who are still in prison, um, for things that they did way back. You know, for people who, you know, had possession of weed or sold weed. Things that happened in the 80s and 90s. And now it's like, yeah, you can you can sell weed. So when we go back and look at those things, it's like, okay, these are nonviolent criminals. Let these people go. You wanna you wanna stop you know you know you wanna deal with prisons being overcrowded. Look at look at the people. Look at what they've done and say, okay, all right, you know what? You're not really you're not. Are you a danger to to society? Yes or no? Are you a risk of bringing physical harm to people? If not, get out. Go and commit crimes no more. So, uh, it, 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 yes, it's vague, but, uh, I just wanted to talk about this issue. And so, yeah, that's my very undetailed take on, uh,